Hi, welcome to the Faces of Leadership podcast presented by the Zac. I'm Scarlett Zhao from the Zac Class 2021. Together with my cohorts, we explore how the definition and profile of leader in PR has evolved over time. In the next few episodes, we speak with a variety of PR leaders from different backgrounds to get their thoughts on different aspects of leadership. In today's episode, navigating the business of life as a leader and parent, you're about to listen to our hosts Sabrina Kapel and Maxine Myers, along with the special guest Jessica Hope, who is the founder and the CEO of Winbart, and also the mother of a seven-year-old. Jessica shares how she navigates parenting and leadership. Enjoy listening. Hello, welcome to our first podcast as part of the Exec Program. My name is Maxine Myers, and I'm joined by my colleague on the Exec Program, Sabrina Kebbel, and we are here with our guest, our special guest, Jessica Hope, who is CEO of African Tech PR agency Wimbart. Hello, Jessica. Nice to have you. Hey, Maxine. Hey, Sabrina. Nice hey, to have Jessica. Me. How are you? Very well, thank you. Awesome. We would like to get started with introductions about ourselves and why we've chosen this topic of parenting and leadership. If I start with myself, I am a mom of two. I've got an eight-year-old going on eighteen, and a one-year-old who is full of energy. Maxine, how about you? I am a mum of one. I have a five-year-old son. He is in his second year of infant school. Okay, thanks. Really great to hear about your families too. I have a seven-year-old, Max. He is also quite a handful, but he's very interesting. He's articulate. I co-parent him with my ex-partner. Who lives three streets over? So we're actually really fortunate that we can co-parent as well. And funnily enough, I actually started Wimbart when I was seven months pregnant from my kitchen table.、Wow. Uh, the company that I was working at previously is a company called Iroco, and I was global head of comms there for three and a half years. And the CEO was a friend of mine from uni, so we'd known each other for a really long time. And He and I had spent a lot of time sort of working together in three years, building Iroco. I was leading on all the comms, doing the kind of corporate and tech side of things, but also a lot of the Nollywood stuff as well. So I was traveling a lot. I was spending a lot of time in New York, spending a lot of time in、uh, Nigeria, spending a lot of time in South Africa. And then when I told him I was pregnant, it was quite early days. He was like, "Oh, okay, this is amazing." He just had a Child himself, I think, probably about six months before, so he was already in the child mindset. He was like, "Now's the time where you should set up your own company." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> um, but we discussed it previously, maybe six months before, maybe even longer than that before, because he recognised that I had a niche in the African tech space. So he said, "Oh, I think you should set up your own company." And I was like, "Are you trying to fire me?" But no, he'd actually. Basically, what had been happening is that a lot of people in the African tech space had been asking him to subcontract me. So he's like really like super entrepreneurial guy, and he saw that there was a market. But I didn't have an entrepreneurial spirit, so really like didn't think about it and just sort of saw my career growing at Iroco. Yeah, I, I sort of jumped at this chance to set up on my own when I was seven months pregnant. But Iroco was my first client, so it was really I have to say fortunate and easy way into entrepreneurship and building a company. But at the same time, I also was buying my first house. And passed my driving test, and I think when I was like eight months pregnant, so it was a really, really busy period. And that's kind of how Wimbut started. But really early days, and all honestly, I thought I was just going to be a freelancer.、Mm. I thought I would do Iroco, 
be a yummy mummy, go for coffees, because that's what mums do, right? Once they've got to grips with like having a baby. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and, and then maybe one other client. The ideation from Wimbart wasn't really there at that stage when I was pregnant. Can you talk a bit about your company? Tell us a bit more about Wimbart and, and also tell us a bit more about those early days, like being pregnant and especially like this, you know, seven months pregnant and setting up a business. What was that whole experience like? I was fortunate. I had my dad working with me to do a lot of the sort of behind the scenes stuff. So a lot of the admin side of things as well. He'd retired from his previous role. He'd been in the police for many years, he had an MBA, so he was very good at the sort of process. Mm. I think even till today, he doesn't really know what we do, um, but he's very good at helping with some of the structure side of things. But I think in some ways it was, as I say, kind of like a lazy way into setting up a business because I left a rocker one day, but was sort of doing a rocker work the same day as well. And I think unlike a lot of people who set up their own businesses, I'd been sat next to a business leader, a really dynamic, charismatic entrepreneur for many, many, many years. And I think I had been picking up a lot of the top tips and a lot of tactics along the way. I just hadn't really thought about mm. them. But I, I really found it in some ways quite liberating, in some ways a little bit daunting as well. But it was uh, it was a good opportunity. And I really admire the fact that you jumped on that. I love that you said that it was a parent leader that pushed you and inspired you to take that step, knowing how hard parenthood is. And he said, well, you're capable of doing both. For me, I guess, I love the, like, the smile on your face when you were speaking about that person's entrepreneurship and him pushing you to do something that you never really thought of. What would you say to someone that is in the similar position of about to become a parent and possibly have that opportunity in front of them would you say yep you can do it or actually maybe that's not the best time because you've got so much going on I wouldn't say blanket just go for it do it because it, re it really is very very hard work I think that Jason pushed me because he understood the level of intensity I worked at and he seen me work for the last three years we work really well together. And also we kind of had almost like a familial connection in terms of working. So I, I was fortunate that I could turn around and say, oh, actually, I can't make this meeting or I'm going to have to change something because I have a maternity appointment or I have this or I have that. So I was really fortunate. I was in quite a sort of strong position, whereas I think other people, if they're starting out on their own and they don't have necessarily some of the networks or mm. they don't have a client who's as understanding as mine was, they would maybe struggle, especially in those early days as well. Because you were setting up a business whilst you were pregnant. I guess it wasn't like a traditional maternity leave because you're running a business and stuff. But what was that experience? I didn't really take that much maternity leave. I worked up until my due date. And then I was 10 days over. I was emailing The Economist from the maternity ward. Um, <laughs> it was probably a good way to distract myself. But also I was like, oh, The Economist. I did take three months off work. And then I went back to work. I think that's incredible that you're in, you're in labour and you're still working. I can't imagine being going through all of that and has my phone in front of me. But with your three months off, did, was that completely not working, not doing anything, completely focused on yourself and baby? Or did you find yourself being in and out? I don't think I worked. Okay. I don't think I really worked at all. That was the discussion that I'd had with Jason right. in terms of we had you know, three months off. If there had been something really urgent, I probably would have 
jumped on it, but I certainly wasn't checking emails all the time like I would do usually. But I think also I remember being quite productive in other ways during that time. You know, I had just moved house, so I was sort of doing bits to the house. Someone that I used to live with the years before, she had to have hospital trips. So I was making myself busy in other ways outside of mm. just the general baby stuff. Or I'd go to places or I'd go and visit people and do mm. lots of visits, you know, like take a cake. People are like, how do you manage to make a cake when you've got a newborn baby? And I was like, but there's actually quite a lot of time, like newborn babies. I was really, really lucky as well. Max was a really easy child. Obviously, you don't sleep that much, but I actually found, oh, this is this is awful, but Say I actually it. found motherhood really boring. Oh. Um, <laughs> so that's why I was like making cakes and doing stuff and doing trips. And I, I mean, I used the time also to go and visit my parents who live at either side of the country as well. So I just used my time, I think, quite productively. But that's how you, you kept your sanity. Because 100%. when it's you and baby 24 sevens a day and you're sleep deprived and it's just all about them it can get a little bit you know yeah I don't think it's awful I mean no. the beginning bit's boring they don't do anything right? <laughs> they don't interact with you so you literally are in your head sometimes or just on your own or a lot of the time and stuff so yeah you know you can watch as many bot sets as you can but you just need to like do something yeah, yeah. i rewatched sex in the city i think <laughs> and rupaul's drag race <laughs> so it was actually in some ways it was quite nice to have a little bit of downtime and mm. not kind of your brain racing about work stuff but and i guess your brain is racing all the time early days thinking have i broken my kid is he still alive you know when they sleep so deeply and they're not breathing and you've got to like right in their faces to check that they're still alive so i i guess i did have all of those things but i weirdly didn't intellectualize motherhood like a lot of mothers do and even when i was going to baby classes i couldn't find like a common ground with any of the mothers mm. i think i understand what you mean i didn't really do all the baby group stuff and i didn't do that social interaction stuff when she was younger but now she's older and she's demanding it I'm having to force myself to do that. Are you finding that now that your son is more independent? I did try. I did actually generally tried really hard. I found uh, a nice group of parents from the NCT group. We didn't have much in common, but we, I did make the effort to sort of put myself out, outside of my usual box. And I think that that was important in some ways as well, because however much your best friends or your colleagues or whatever love you, like at three o'clock in the morning, they don't really care about sore nipples or anything. So you do have to find like a community and like your WhatsApp group of people who you can whinge about early days motherhood stuff to. But when I went back to work, I found that I got dropped from that group really quickly. Why do you think that is? I was prioritising. I was mm. prioritising... My son, my work, my regular friends that didn't have kids. I would take Max to like parties. You know, my friends were having like barbecues or parties. I would take him and that would be my priority. So I couldn't then do all the sort of mommy group stuff as well. You know, obviously because my dad's involved in the company as well, it really is a family business. Yeah, he's just, he's good. And, you know, especially I think during lockdown and homeschooling, he just had to sit on calls with me all the time. He's used to, the, you know, mummy working, you know, his dad works as well. So he, he's just used to busy parents. So I think that we're fortunate that he doesn't complain too much and he does just get on with it. And there is upsides as well to, you know, opportunities to do cool stuff. You just mentioned working from home and lockdown and COVID. And for me, that was a super stressful time. For the first one, I was pregnant. I had my then six-year-old at home pregnant working, getting everything up to scratch. And it was a nightmare. I realized I definitely was not capable of being a teacher. <laughs> How was it for you with your role as a leader and having to do your day-to-day -day and have him around as well and homeschooling, if that's something that you had to do? 
I'm exactly the same. I realised I'm not a teacher. I'm not very patient. He was really unresponsive to me, even though he's like super smart. I really struggled. Every day, one of us cried, some days both. Yep. I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> even now, I'm like, well, we didn't die. No one I know died. So I'm still trying to do that whole count my blessings. But yeah, I, f- I found it really, really taxing. Really taxing. And I felt sorry for him as well. I did try at the beginning to sit on the Microsoft Teams calls with this teacher in the morning. And the school tried, but they were just, kids are so young. I think probably my breaking point was one day, the teacher said in the morning, and she was so nice and she's got this really chirpy voice. But, you know, after two months of homeschooling, I actually don't need any chirpy voices. I just want like a glass of wine for breakfast. (laughs) And she was like, so what we're going to do tomorrow is we're going to make a board game and you're going to need this and you're going to need that. And after that, I just shut, like just shut off all sort of schooling and just took him for a big walk every day. Yeah. And we had a chat and you know what? He's still like pretty smart. He survived it. He's all good. The pressures that I was putting on myself to run the business, to keep the business going and on him was just really, really tough. I don't have anything. I don't have one positive thing to say about the whole like homeschooling thing at all. That was getting through each day. Yeah. I look at that period as getting just getting through to the end of the day. I mean, the the expectation of being an unqualified teacher and somehow impart yeah. like phonics knowledge and numbers knowledge <laughs> on a child that's like you're not a teacher. You're not my teacher. It's like school is where I learn. Home is home, and you're my mum. You're my dad. You're not my teacher in that way. So no, I, I, I yeah, I very quickly learned. No, this is all about pretty much survival and just getting through getting through this and stuff rather than by the end of this my objective is that you will be able to read to this level or you'll be able to do subtractions at this you know it's just not it's not realistic I think with your experience of maternity leave and and the business growing as much as it has can you just talk us through like what's your maternity and paternity policies at Wimbar and how have they been shaped and informed so we have, uh, because we're a small company, we only have like pretty standard maternity policies. We haven't had anyone take paternity yet. So I guess we would have standard paternity policies as well. We have had one person who's gone on maternity leave. I think she took a year in total. And then she came back three days a week and then has kind of grown to four days a week as well. And that policy was very much along the lines of how do you want to come back to work? When is the right time for you? And then we'll fit around that. Mm. So I think that we have that level of flexibility. As we grow, maybe it would be better to have an enhanced maternity policy, but it hasn't been possible because we're still like very much in startup stage. We haven't had a dad go off on paternity yet, but I guess we would work around them as well. But we do generally have a really flexible approach to parents working at Wimbart. So I think it changed a lot more after COVID. That's yeah. probably the only, because it did make people realise you can work a bit from home. Even early days when, before COVID, we had someone and she was like, she, can she start early and finish at, I think it was 2.30, so she could go and pick her son up from school and then she'll come back online later on. And she started Wimbot Life like that. And as long as people are clear from the outset what they need, then we can work around them. We have a dad who works at Wimbot and he, you know, asked to leave work recently at 4.30 on a particular day to go and pick up his daughter and he missed his train. And then the next day he came and he was like, can I actually leave at 20 past four? And he was a little bit nervous about asking, even though at interview stage, I was like, no, really, genuinely, we are flexible. I'm a working parent. We have lots of working parents at Wimbot. And he caught the train at 20 past four and then he was back on at line at half six whenever he was he finished his work he works really hard he does like amazing work but he sent a really nice message afterwards just to thank me because I think it was actually a surprise that we had actually committed to being 
flexible company. Now, I've worked, obviously, I've had my own company for seven years now, so I can't speak to other companies. But the impression that I get from a lot of people is that a lot of companies say that they are family friendly and flexible. Mm -hmm. But in reality, they're really not. Or if you do leave a bit early, then all of a sudden it's a big drama. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for people that want to build their careers as well, there's always that anxiety that if you're not seen to be present, then you're probably not going to be in line for those leadership roles. Or if you are a parent and you're not there from 6am till 9pm at night or whatever it may be, then you don't have the time for a leadership role. What would you say to those people? To the people who think that or the people who are worried about it? The people that are worried about that. I think that anyone should just always focus on results and not just it's not about being there to be seen as well. So if you can deliver amazing results between the hours of nine and two and then four and seven, for example, if that's how you need to structure your life, then that's amazing. I think you have to be realistic about what you can deliver. It is very, very difficult to build a business, be a leader and be a parent. It's by no means easy. But I think that as you grow within the role, you find tricks to the trade and certain things you'll find easier as you go along as well. I think there's obviously the difference between being a leader and being a business owner. Being You can be a leader and you can be senior in a company and you can, I think, in many ways stick to a fairly routine sort of 30-hour week, 40-hour week, 50-hour week maybe. To be a business owner, I don't think you can be like that. I think you make a lot of sacrifices when it comes to business building and having a family, 100%. But I think you should still go for leadership roles. And I think it's about making sure that you find a company and find people within that company who can help you along that way as well. So all of Wimbart's senior team are women. Mm. All bar one have a child and they're all senior and they've all grown within the company and they've all been promoted and they all have line management experience and the client work and the levels of work that they turn out is incredible, like amazing, amazing. I don't know whether or not I'm biased because I am a woman who has a child mm-hmm. and I managed to grow in a leadership role. So I find it difficult to make judgments with other companies because I, I know what I'm like, but I'm wondering what it's like in other companies as well. That's where my inexperience comes from, having working like bigger kind of corporate organizations but you're looking at the quality of the work not the time that they spend so it's not about the amount of time but how you use your time and the quality of the work that you produce that's important to you when you're looking at leadership oh absolutely I think leadership at all levels as well in terms of bringing people on like more junior members of the team as well but also growing clients accounts securing new business maybe all those types of things it's all about results at the end of the day I don't need to see someone for 40 hours a week just to think oh well they might be a good leader yeah I don't know if that's a common approach to viewing leadership roles and I'm also only leading on a very small company as well I mean I think it makes sense whether it's a big or small company because in terms of creativity it's not about how long you spend on it it's about what you deliver right Mm -hmm. so I think that makes complete sense and it would be great if more businesses did think about it like that. I hope that they do. Something I wanted to speak to you about as well are the biggest challenges that you have faced so far in the, over the last seven years doing everything. What are those key moments that you have faced after setting up Wimbar? I think as any business owner, you question yourself a lot. I think in terms of we consistently get offered investment and we've consistently turned it down because I'm also kind of like want to keep control. And I also 
funnily enough, know that as a mother who probably doesn't spend enough time with her son already, I actually didn't want to take on more investment and then be under pressure to scale and grow at a pace that I wasn't comfortable with. So, you know, you could take like a million dollars worth of investment, for example, but then the sort of pressures that you're under and is an investor going to turn around and say, actually, no, I, you know, you do need to go to Nigeria and open a, an office for six weeks. It's just not ever going to happen. So I think that the that parenthood, that side of things, in some ways informed my decisions in terms of whether or not I take on investment. Other challenges have been sometimes there's just not enough hours in the day, right? Really genuinely. I do suffer, I think all parents, mums and dads, suffer some sort of level of guilt in terms of not doing enough, but I don't let it consume me actually. I'm genuinely not one of those mums who's like, oh, everything I do is for my kids. It really isn't. Hopefully my son benefits from growing a business, me being like fulfilled as a person, because I think it must be horrible to work as hard as you do as at parenthood and then have a horrible job that you hate on top of everything else and the pressures of that. I really love my job. I love my work. I love everything about it. I love how the business is growing. I love my team. So I think that that's a positive. I've been really intentional about how things have grown. It's really tricky to pinpoint the, all the challenges because it's most of them, I think, are just business building challenges, like all companies, all all business owners face. Another reason why we haven't taken investment is because I don't want anyone else calling the shots. That makes sense. It's, really it's, like... it's your other baby. It's your, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. And you've grown and you nurtured this business. It's, it's yours, right? I can totally get that. And I guess as you grow at a pace that you feel comfortable with and you get more people in and stuff, I guess for me, the pandemic really highlighted the gender imbalance when it comes to parenting. Women bore the brunt of it, the parenting, the housework, the running the household. And and I think men too are part are definitely part of the conversation. And I think men do want to play an active, equal part in their child's life, I hope. I think a lot of policies or just generally things around men being as present in their child's life isn't as apparent as it probably is for women. How do you create a culture, do you think, as you get potentially more dads into your workplace? How do we get dads to take up parental leave or to be able to feel confident to ask for these things? For me, it's just a case of actually doing what you say you're going to do. So I said at interview stage, we're family friendly. I said at confirmation stage, we're family friendly. The first time he asked for something to do with his family, we just made it happen. Mm. So I think it's just being like authentic and true to what you say you're going to do. The trouble is not all men do get as involved as women yeah. do. So during the pandemic, we had a very senior guy who worked with us and he actually didn't have to do any homeschooling because he still was able to have a childminder. The one day that it snowed and the childminder couldn't get, he didn't make the team meeting. Whereas all the women on my team who had kids made the team meeting every single day, pretty much. What was the reason? You just, Cause he, he was just too overwhelmed yeah. by, yeah. Couldn't, couldn't look after his kid for like one morning. So I'm very much like I want dads to have opportunities. I want them to be flexible and everything else. But all I see genuinely is very strong, very brilliant women doing the bulk of the work at home and at work as well. I think that's really interesting that you say that. What I hope is that Wimba is a nurturing place for parents, not just mums, but for all parents. And we can be really flexible around whatever they need. For me, it's like, well, hopefully when we hire even more men at Wimba as well, they see what the women have to do in order to be senior leaders mm -hmm. 
whilst also running a family. And they can start work at 9.15 if they need to do school drop-off. They can do this, they can do that. They can finish their work at 11 o'clock at night if that's what they need to do, if that's what works around their family life as well. So I think it's just demonstrating that flexibility. And how it's done, how it's done well. Yeah, I think how it's done well. But again, like I'm cynical because I think a lot of companies talk about it Mm-hmm. And they just don't do it. We don't talk about it. We just do it, right? So it is just a part of the culture. 100%. And something that you kind of hope they just learn along the way. Yeah, hopefully so. But again, like people are different and you can't sort of tell people how to manage their families mm-hmm. as well. Like that's their private life as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's still lots of work to be done in terms of a cultural shift because where I work, we do have a really generous paternity policy and the men that I work with will take two, three months off paternity leave and be with their child and they would work the same type of hours that I would work and stuff. But that's within a culture where we're like, you're as equal to women, especially with parenting. And I think in some companies, although they have those, oh, we've got this policy in place, but then they, they've got a culture where it's like, oh, we could take in that much time yeah. off on a holiday. I remember when my other half, he had to go on a work trip for a week to India. Not one person asked him, like, who's going to look after your baby? Yeah. When I went on a work trip to the US, there's like, so who's looking after Samuel? Yeah. His dad? Mm-hmm. Like, who do you think? Like, You're completely right. It is tough for dads. I'm guessing it's even worse in corporate life, but I think mm-hmm. in the PR world especially, it's quite tough. Funnily enough, my ex-partner runs a platform called Daddy Life, which is actually looking at and addressing some of the issues about how more dads can be empowered to... I feel like I'm doing an advert for <laughs> But no, how, how dads can be more empowered to take full paternity leave, to actually request, say to their boss, I need to leave at five o'clock or half past five today. Because I think that the culture is different for men to actually stand up. I am very sure that a lot of men who go to work and if they've got to look after their kids, someone will be like, oh, were you babysitting duties this week? Yes. Whereas a mum, you never say to a mum, yeah. were you babysitting duties? No, I was looking after my kids. Yeah. Yeah. The dialogue, the, everything yeah. else is kind of skewed towards it. So whilst I am very much pro-women and like fierce proponent of women in leadership, and I am in awe of women's ability to juggle and still excel, I do understand that there are a lot of pressures for dads in our current corporate work culture. Yeah, it's very patriarchal. 100%. Yeah. Going back to what you said about women and excelling and just doing it all, it can take its toll. Mm -hmm. How do you support your amazing leadership team? In fact, all your working moms when it does become a little bit too much because we all have those days. And even though we do try and just put a face on and get through it, behind the scenes, sometimes we do break down. Yeah. One, have you experienced that yourself and how do you get past that? What do you do for yourself? And then how do you support other women through that? Or the parents? I haven't done that much myself. I'm kind of exhausted. You can probably tell from my voice. But it's different because it's my business, right? I can see that this is what I signed up for. I am more than an employee. The, uh, The women on my team, everyone has, you know, people have bad days. And I think that especially the leadership team have really high levels of emotional intelligence so you can see it in someone's eyes even if they're not saying it um so very much like we have a culture of if someone's having a bad day they might just say you know what i'm just going to start at 11 or 12 or do you mind if i just carry on later on and again it's this culture of trust right no one's skiving they just need some time to themselves and they need to do something but it's very much a trust culture in terms of someone be like i just need some time or i need to do this and they'll just nip on slack and they'll say to the rest of the team hey guys x y and z I'm not going to be about for a bit. And that's it. 
but it's that level of professionalism where it's, they're not just dropping everyone in it. They'll take one minute to let everyone know and keep everyone else in the loop and then they've got time to themselves and that's absolutely fine as well. If they need to take time off, if they, you know, again, it's that level of flexibility as well, which is really important. I'm trying to get better at not emailing late at night. So I schedule stuff so people aren't waking up to stress. Same with Slack messages. Again, I know I shouldn't, but I do it. You know, I often get through, go through my emails or go through my Slacks or I get more creative at 10 or 11 or 12 o'clock at night. But I don't assume that other people do as well. And I also sometimes when I see people online late at night, I say, like, you need to go offline. So there is a level of flexibility where people hopefully feel that they can share. And I try not to pry. Anyone on my team can say pretty much anything to me. I'm a fairly unshockable kind of person, actually. Where I can help, I will do. Where I can signpost to other avenues of support, I will do. And I'll always say what I can't do as well. I know I don't have the answers to everything, but I am generally quite a, like a sympathetic, I think, person. And I understand life is pretty hard, so I don't want work to be even harder. You're like a support system for a lot of your team at Wimbot. So who who supports you? Like, do you have like a mentor, somebody you can who's at your another business owner who you can call up and say, look, look, I've got this problem. Can you help? Like, how how do you get the support that you need? So I have I wouldn't say emotional person, but like I connect with people like quite an, on a, quite a deep emotional level. I don't think that I burden members of my team with my problems, but I, they, especially the leadership team, I would say are a support network as well. So I can say to them, if I'm having a bad day, can you just pick up on this? And again, there's a level of trust and commitment between us. So they are a bit of a support network as well. I have a few key clients that I actually lean on in terms of emotional support when I'm making difficult business decisions. I have some really amazing people who I can WhatsApp and they'll be on the phone call in like two minutes if I need them as well. I did get a mentor this year, a formal mentor who works in PR and he's scaled a company, a large PR company as well. So he's been incredible help. I have a couple of informal mentors as well. So people who I can bend their ears or ask me questions and they're really incredibly generous with their time as well. So I'm a really open, transparent person. So I'll tell people, oh, I'm struggling with this or I can't do that. What do I do? I'm honestly one of those people. And I'm like, if I don't know, I'll say I don't know. And I'm happy to ask for help and I'm happy to absorb stuff I feel like it's still quite early days in my business journey as well yeah so I'm really happy to take guidance and take direction from people no one knows everything but I don't know that much and in terms of taking guidance and support so when we came out of lockdowns and two years of this pandemic I mean has that changed fundamentally not fundamentally but has it changed how you do things at Wimbart or what you plan to do I mean what's been especially around parenting or around leadership I mean how's that has, how has it changed things for you I think it heightened my sense of need for emotional intelligence mm -hmm. because during COVID during lockdown we hired a lot of people who I didn't know and never met before so it's very difficult to read the signs from them via Zoom in terms of their emotional welfare, in terms of their professional welfare. It was really, really super hard. So I think it's made me think more critically about people's domestic situations, you know, how they're coping you know, and what's going on in their lives as well. Because you, when you don't speak to people in a day-to-day -day setting in person, you're less likely to know about their day-to-day -day lives. Whereas if you're in the office, you might be like, someone might be like, oh, my sister did this or my dad did that or... So yeah. you, you haven't got as many data points to make yeah. decisions about how this person is coping and how this person is reacting. And you don't know what they're like emotionally really as well. So it's very difficult to be like, oh, are they actually OK? Because this is a very traumatic process of lockdown. So I think it's made me even more 
aware of the need to try and understand people's domestic situations or personal situations before making judgments. I think it's made me realize that it's very important to focus on family side of things and make more time for kids. And I understand that other people do that as well. We are going to go back to, we're coming back to the office now. We started off doing two days a week and then we're going to go to three days a week. And it's highly unlikely we'll go to more than three days a week. So it does give people that element of flexibility, parents or non-parents as well. So I think that that's fundamentally changed how we work. But I think that we now need to get into better habits of working more creatively together as a team, because I think we fell out of that habit and not just Wimbart, but most companies. So we even like moving into the new office, having meeting spaces and be more creative. Use that time to bond with your teammates, to understand what they need, to have them understand what you need, to work creatively, get in front of the whiteboard, be creative during that time, and then use your time when you're at home. Maybe if you've just got a ton of writing to get through, that might be your quiet time to do it. So that's fundamentally changed how we've worked. At the same time, we still have to produce amazing work all the time. It's, it's fundamentally our focus is on quality. Yeah, that's never going to change. It's just probably like just different ways in which now you come together and collaborate and work within the team and work within the wider team at Wimbart as well. Yeah, one of the things I think that there's a new generation of people, God, that makes me sound old saying that, um, <laughs> more people who want to work remotely. It hasn't worked for Wimbart, I have to say. It really hasn't. We failed to find people who could understand the Wimbart ways of doing things remotely. We tried several times. I can... Never say never, but it's, it, it wasn't really working for us. But what we have done is we have implemented a new policy where after you've been working at Wimbart for a while, you can go and work abroad for three months of the year. Any three months or 12 months work remotely. It has no direct benefit to Wimbart. It actually doesn't suit me for people to be working remotely because I actually just like speaking to people in person. Even today when we were setting this up and Lynn, who's been amazing and organising everything, she was like, do you want to do it you know, from your office? And I'm like, actually, no, because I... We would not have this level of conversation no. if we weren't in person. But I understand that the working world is changing and people want to travel and do more things. So obviously there's certain caveats. We're not paying for people to go abroad. They have to cover their own transport. They still have to work UK hours. So it's fine if you go to West Africa because there's an hour's difference. If you go to Australia, you'll be working through the night. So there are certain caveats. Obviously, if productivity drops or anything like that, you've got to come back. It's not a sabbatical. But we brought that in. That's relatively new for us as well. And we'll see how it goes. And have you been more, there's more HR things that you've had to do coming out of the lockdown or, or more parents on board or people's different work life situations? Have you had to think of more HR policies and meeting the needs of your team or meeting your own needs and things like that? No, oh, funnily okay. enough, <laughs> I probably should do. No, but again, it's because we're still small enough to operate at a level where, look, we just all try and be cool and we all just try and work around each other. I'm not naive enough to think that that's going to be like that forever. I think we might need more policies as we get bigger in scale. But I I just think if you're cool and then other people will be cool. It doesn't always work like that. <laughs> like it really doesn't. But I'm an optimist as well in thinking that with almost any job, not just PR, but almost any job, what you put into something you get out. And so that's why we do have flexibility around working parents or whatever happens, like life throws stuff at you. Life's throwing stuff at me and like you always find a way to deal with it. I want to ask you, we've spoken about how just exhausting it must all be being a parent, being a leader, but also running your own business outside of work and parenthood. How do you keep your identity? What do you do for yourself? Uh, um, just work. I'm fortunate that quite a lot of 
my friends are people I've met through work as well. So I actually enjoy that. And I still see my friends and do stuff as well, but I don't read as much as I would like to. Although I'm trying to read more sort of like business books. Like I was the last person on earth to read like Shoe Dog by the Phil Knight from Nike. Love that book. I'm reading a book by the owner of CAA agency at the moment, Michael Ovitz. So I'm trying to read books like that to help broaden my horizons for a bit. We spoke to Maria actually this week around the book club. Yeah, <laughs> have book club as yeah. well. There's just not that much time at the moment, but I'm, I'm kind of like... Oh, when will I have time? I keep thinking about if Wimbart ever gets acquired or if I retire, I'm going to go back. Because I used to have a ton of hobbies when I was younger. I used to sew. I used to just love going on walks around London. Like I did a history degree, so I just love history stuff. Listen to more music, do more things. Like I feel that I'm actually quite narrow now in my activities because also like work, my phone goes off from like half five in the morning and I work across multiple time zones. So it's literally like ping, 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 ping all the time. And the business that I'm in is very much relationship driven. Mm -hmm. So even sometimes like what we try to do at Wimbot over the years is like grow the senior team and empower them. So they're more client facing than I am, but all the relationships still come from me and my networks. So even if my senior team is sending people stuff, the CEO of the company or the founder will still be in my WhatsApps like all hours of the day as well. Mm -hmm. So I've just, basically become really basic you're not basic <laughs> but I think what I do see from you as well and what I've heard from you is how much you love what you do and how your personal life and your business life they they hold hands yeah. right they're not distinguished you do what you have to do when you have to do it and your family is very much part of that and they're very supporting and understanding they say it takes a village right and with your business being your second baby you've got your support system internally and then you've got your family as well that help you with that yeah I agree with that and I also think that I'm really fortunate that especially with Wimba where it is now we can kind of pick and choose our clients right so I actually get to work with and socialize with people I really like we had a filmmaker client who's a friend and he was like oh let's go for lunch and then I took Max with me and then another colleague brought their 10 year old I actually think it's quite exciting for Max to be around filmmakers, tech entrepreneurs, writers. He gets access to quite a lot of interesting people as well. So yeah. I think it's because I enjoy my work so much that I haven't felt the need to kind of find an outlet for hobbies or other. Like I watch like trash TV like everyone else. I'm kind of waiting for Bridgerton to come on Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah. Me too. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I'm not like a total martyr to like, oh, it's work, work, work. And like I need to switch off. I have yeah. to dumb down because I find that my brain is just buzzing all the time. So last night I got home from work at half past 11. The sensible thing would be to go straight to sleep. But I'm like, I have to just watch some TV or something just to wind down. I'm very much like that as well, where... I am a busybody till 1am in the morning if I don't just put something brain numbing on. If you were to do it all again, is there anything that you would change and is there anything you would never change? I would have started Wimbart before having Max and I think I would have scaled the company a little bit quicker. Just the fundamentals, you know, the basics of Wimbart. But then saying that, I think whilst I said to you before, I never really over-intellectualized motherhood in any way. I think motherhood did change me as a person and it made me more empathetic and it made me a little bit more worldly wise to other people's situations. Not saying that people who don't have kids aren't like that, but I think I was, you know, I'm an only child. 
I was probably quite insular before that. And I was the youngest. I mean, I had Max when I was 31, but I was the, one of my youngest friends to have a kid. So it felt like quite new. It's not like I was surrounded by lots of other people with kids. Mm. Uh, some of my friends are just having kids now. So it changed me, I think, for the better. And that probably helped with my business choices. But then I'm also really conscious of I made a lot of sacrifices, didn't spend as much time with Max as probably maybe I would have wanted to. But then, as I say, like I also found motherhood really, I, I struggled with the boredom, I have to say. And because I didn't have my tribe of other parents that I could chill with and really genuinely enjoy the time with as well. I would maybe have started the business slightly sooner. But then I think if the momentum had started, I wouldn't have thought, oh, this is a good time to have a baby. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I'm. Uh, do you know, it, it sounds super obnoxious. I'm actually generally pretty happy with the vast majority of choices I've made in building Wimbart so far. Well, that's a good place to be yeah. and a good acknowledgement, I think, to make for yourself as well. And just my last question to you. So things are going great at Wimbelt. You've got moved into a new office. You've got a new, bigger team. What does the next couple of years look like, do you think, when it comes to Wimbelt? And where is it that you want to go? We have to maintain our quality of work, which, again, we've, we've done throughout. We have to keep building. I was just going to say I want us to stay our authentic self, but that's such a terrible thing to say. But there is a uniqueness about us. We are really authentic. We have carved a niche for ourselves. We turn down more work than we can take on. In the market that we operate in, we have built a niche and we are really sought after. And I was even thinking the other day, I was like, wow, it feels like a bit of a fluke. It's like something just switched in the last like year and a half. I'm like, 100% it's not a fluke. It's everything that we deserve as a team. We've been building, we've been growing, we've stuck to our guns, we've kept our integrity. So I think more of the same. And that's going to be harder as you scale because I have to take a step back from client work and move into my leadership role a bit more. And I think actually to your previous question where I said, what would I have done better? I actually have been really slow in becoming a leader painfully slow I was just thinking about it this morning on the way in I'm still so involved in the day-to-day -day running a business the client work everything else I think that I could have become a better leader quicker and focused on that a bit more do you think that's because that's what you enjoy yeah yeah and you just don't you're not ready to let go of that yet to kind of get into the more day-to-day -day leadership stuff you kind of want to keep hold of that enjoyment it's that and also we grew really quickly and I was always really conscious about us growing so quickly and then me not knowing people anymore or not having that time with one-on-one -on -one time with people or I didn't want to become like a distant leader and I'm like I'm not very PRE you know and I'm, it's not like I kind of set up to be like a CEO or an entrepreneur or anything like that so at my core I'm just a PR girl so I think the transition to leader has been yeah, as I say, painfully slow, but I'm getting there and I'm really, really lucky that the team that I have now understands my pitfalls. And I think that they're quite an important part of my leadership journey as well in terms of how they support me and how we support each other. And now it's also up to me to make sure that they're empowered so I see them grow in leadership roles as well. That's going to be the, the next two years. Like the, I have an amazing core group of people. Some have been with us for three years. Maria's been with me six years but they are going to be an integral part. They have to make sure that they're kind of building themselves, building in their career at Wimbart as well, and part of our growth journey. I think Wimbart will be ripe for acquisition in a few years by a bigger global agency as well. But it's, again, making sure if that happens, when that happens, it's the right agency. It works for the whole team. Like, everyone's brought on the journey as well. Do you think it is possible to keep excelling as a leader because we've heard especially from Maria how amazing you are 
but still have that enjoyment as well but without letting go completely i've spoken to some people before and they've said things that you don't like doing hire someone else someone else that likes doing that stuff like the hr like the financial stuff is that something that you feel that you need to keep control of to keep control of the culture or is that something part of your future plans to hire a bigger team that not necessarily pr focus but business focus Mm -hmm. kind of help you still keep hold of that enjoyment but grow your business it's a really good question i think at this level of growing a business it's not about what you enjoy it's about what you're good at so I got like a C at GCSE maths, right? I can barely do an Excel spreadsheet. I have no concept of numbers. I don't think many PR people. It's like where? So for me, again, it's not an admission of not guilt, but it's like it's not like I don't enjoy numbers. But sooner or later, I have to uh, bring people on board who that's what they're good at. Again, with HR, I don't know a lot of like the legalities of certain things. So we'll bring people in to support. I'm not a lawyer, so I wouldn't write a contract from scratch as well. And we work in PR, right? So we are a services industry. So it's okay to bring in other services and other professionals. We all know what it's like when someone who doesn't understand PR tries to do PR. is a hot mess. Oh, yeah. That yeah? we often have to then clean up. <laughs> I still have to understand the figures. I have to make sure that as a leader, I have to take overall responsibility. If there's a massive black hole somewhere, what's gone wrong? If there's a massive HR issue, like really terrible, then I have to have a steer on that. So I think that a really important part of the growth of the business and my growth is understanding when to take support from other professionals, but being in a position where I can at least make judgment calls. And it's sometimes it's, crowdsourcing a number of opinions in order to come to a decision that's right for you so I think it's now's the time you know we're at 20 now as a company now's the time where we do have to just be a little tighter on the accountancy and the number side of things a little bit tighter on the HR side of things yeah so it's like you're in an interesting transition now of your business yeah. where it's now focused as well as the quality and the PR, it's now about the how do we grow that business side of things and being across all that and stuff. So it's quite exciting, though, no, to, be at that, <laughs> to be at that. We're at this weird intersection of like, I think we're always going to be a bunch of fabulous hustlers. Like I will always describe us like that. And we are. Um, we're not very corporate. Yeah, fabulous bunch of hustlers. But things just started getting quite real in a good way. Certain, you know, levels of professionalism, like certain things. But people can really now... There's some early adopters at Wimbar who I think were kind of like, okay, cool. There's this PR agency. They focus on African tech and it's an all BME team. That's quite out there, a bit weird, right? This just doesn't really happen like that. Like six or seven of them, we were working in a shoebox about the size of this podcast room, right? Now, all of a sudden, we get to pick and choose our clients. We can't keep up with the amount of interest in us. People's careers are progressing at Wimber. They've gone from account exec to senior account exec to account manager. Now they've got their eye on senior account manager. There's certain maturity and it must be quite exciting, I'd like to think, for people who've been there for a few years to actually see that transition. And I hope they do take a step back and go, oh, actually, no, this is a bit wild. And we want them to be on the journey for a really long time as well. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Jessica. It's been amazing to speak to you and hear about your experiences and how Wimbot has grown and your future plans. Really inspiring. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, ladies. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by The Zek. The Zek from BME PR Pros is delivered in partnership with Provoke Media 
and the Chartered Institute of Public Relations. The ZEC is the first leadership scheme for UK-based Black, Asian, mixed race, and ethnic minorities PR and comms pros. The podcast series has been produced by Anna East Merlin, Ben Roberts, Kenan Mann, Maria Adideran, Maxim Myers, Sabrina Keppel, Whitney Simon, and myself, Scarlett Zhao, with the help of Content Is Queen Studio. If you want to connect with us to continue the discussion, visit emeprpros.co.uk or reach out to us on LinkedIn.